Today we're going to continue on in our um, summer series of looking at different parables. And we've been looking at a number of different parables over the summer. And today we're going to look at the parable of the great banquet. And we've said in the past that a parable is a story that Jesus would tell that has a spiritual lesson. And so Jesus would tell these parables and he would use parables to teach giving a spiritual lesson through these stories. But we've also experienced, as we've looked at different parables, that not every parable is easy to understand. And this one, um, for the most part, it goes along really well. Everything is looking good. It almost looks like a fairy tale. And then right at the end, there we get this curveball thrown at us. And we're going to spend some time looking at that curveball and see what, what the meaning is of that, par- um, of that section. But the parable is found in Matthew chapter 22. So I'd ask you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, verses, uh, we're going to look at verse 1 to 14. And so uh, Matthew chapter 22, now the, it opens up in verse 1, it just simply says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying. And so that's where we want to pick up now in verse 2. Matthew chapter 22, verse 2. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, it's very unlikely that the people who were listening to Jesus speaking here had actually ever been to a royal wedding banquet. Uh, they would have heard about these things. They would have been all too familiar with the wedding feast. Um, they would have understood the importance. They would have understood the significance of one that a king would prepare for his own son. Uh, but not, most of these people most likely have never actually been to one. But you know how it works. When you hear about something, and even though you've never been there, you kind of have a picture of what it would be like. And these people, they would have been looking and seeing, you know, all the, uh, the people that would have gone by in the past, and they would have probably seen the celebration from a distance. They would have heard about it. They would have heard little stories about what all happened, how beautiful the place was, how well everybody was dressed, how good the food was, and on and on and on. And these feasts would last for a long, long time. So even though these people may have never actually been to this kind of an event themselves, they would have had all kinds of information about that, um, those kind of events. Now in that day, a wedding feast was the highlight of all the social life. A wedding feast that a king prepared for his son would have been considered the feast of all feasts. This would have been the biggest thing. And so Jesus here is picturing a most elaborate celebration Something that, that your mind really can't under, fathom and these people listening to this parable, Jesus is drawing this picture for them saying, I want you to picture the most incredible event, the party that will outdo all parties. So let's look again at verse 2. Matthew chapter 22, verse 2. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his fields, another to his business." Now, to understand this better, we need to understand that at that time, there were two stages of this invitation. The first stage of the invitation would have happened months in advance, a long time in advance, and it would have been like, on this and this day, on this and this season, I'm going to be throwing a banquet for my son, he's getting married, and so I would like you to come 
to the, the celebration. And so people would have had this invitation in their hands already for a long time. And then the day of the celebration, the second stage would take place. And this was the place where the king would now send his messengers out as a courtesy reminder, today is that celebration. And that's what's happening here. The messengers have gone out now and said, right now, the, you know, everything is ready. And right now, the king is having his celebration. And so these people have had the invitation before, and now they are being reminded, today is the day of the celebration. Now, the king sent out the invitation so it's very likely that people have responded and that they said they were, that they were coming. But now at the last minute, for some reason, they're refusing to show up. They're not coming. Now I think most of us have had this happen to us in some way. Maybe never quite in this way, but in some way we've had this happen. We've, we've prepared for something. You've worked hard at getting something ready. Maybe it was a birthday party, maybe it was an anniversary party, or maybe it was just a party in general. Maybe you've worked really hard on a lesson, a Sunday school lesson, or, or you prepared for something else. You worked on a, just a get-together for friends, a New Year's Eve party, a, you know, something like that, and you've worked really hard and you've, you've told all these people, hey, come to this thing, I'm having it on this and this day, and everybody's responded very positively, and like, oh, that sounds great, it sounds great. And then, you know, for some reason... You've worked hard, you're excited, and then when the big day comes, no one shows up. Or maybe you've, you know, you've planned for 20 people to come and five show up, or you've planned for, for 30 to show up and, and only eight or so show up. And how do you feel? At that moment, you feel angry, you may feel frustrated, you feel discouraged, and, and so out of that, you may also feel somewhat dejected and depressed. And I think this gives us a little bit of a picture of how this king may have felt. Here he's gone through all this work. He sent out the invitation months in advance. And now that he sends out the reminder, for some reason, all those people who had said yes, they were coming, now suddenly are like, sorry, not interested. Now it says here that for some people, they just paid no attention. Some people went off and went to the fields, and others went about their business. But it actually gets much worse than that. Look at verse 6. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Now the Jews listening to Jesus here would have thought to themselves, why would anybody refuse the invitation to a king's banquet? Attending the royal wedding would have been considered the greatest honor anybody could have ever received. It would have been the greatest honor, the most enjoyable thing that most people would have ever enjoyed or experienced in their entire life. And yet these people refused to attend. They were indifferent. Some just carried on with their lives as if nothing had happened. Some got violent and rebelled and actually murdered the messengers who sent um, the invitation or the reminder of the invitation. And so the king is furious and he punishes those people who, you know, who had done this to his servants. Now I'm sure when you had a big party or something like that and nobody showed up, I'm sure you never went and murdered all the people who didn't show up. At least I sure hope so. 
But I'm guessing in you there was some of that emotion as well. Why would they not come? They call themselves my friends, and here I went and got all the state, got all this, and I you know, got everything ready, and, and they call themselves friends, and yet none of them show up. And, and we understand the emotion of this king. Now in those days when a king said, come, you just did it. You didn't ask questions, and so when he's like, be happy at my party, you were happy at his party, it didn't matter. And so the king had authority to do things that, I'm not saying we're right and we can't do, but I think we see some of this emotion that the king had, we would have seen in ourselves, the disappointment. I think the people listening to this parable at this point would not have been too shocked. They wouldn't have been all that shocked that a king would respond this way because you didn't just refuse the invitation of a king. And so when the, when the parable turns and says that the king now went and had all these people killed, I'm sure most of the people listening there would have said, well, I saw that coming, you know. You just don't refuse the king. But I think what was most shocking is what's next. That instead of closing the party down, the king now goes and extends this invitation to everyone else. Look at verse 9. Again, the king speaking, he says, Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. In, in People's Magazine, or on People.com, there's an old story that took place in 1997. It's a story of a young woman. She's a New York bride-to-be. Her name was Nicole Contas, um, and she was on the front page of all worldwide newspapers, and, she, and everybody kind of heard about her story because of what happened to her. She even had a chance to share her story with Oprah. Now, you know you're a pretty big deal when Oprah says, I want to hear your story. So what happened with, with Nicole is, after about 20 minutes of the wedding being delayed and being delayed, the best man shows up and says, oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know, your, your future husband, he's not, he's not showing up. The groom's gone. And so she literally got left standing at the altar. And so Nicole, who was a 27-year-old kindergarten teacher in Manhattan and did what most of us wouldn't have done. Most of us would have said, well, then this stinks, you know, cancel everything, just close it down, somebody go tell the guests, and let's just, I want to be done with this, I don't want anybody, I don't want to have to answer all the questions, I just want to be gone, I want to go hide. Well, Nicole does the opposite. She goes in front of the 250 guests and she says, hey, wedding's off, and so let's go and wine and dine at the swanky Essex House Hotel and uh, everything's been pre- prepared, and let's go and have a celebration anyway. And the story goes that that night, Nicole danced as well. She danced to the disco hit, I Will Survive, and I Won't Break Out in Song. Now, as for the guy who was supposed to marry her, the lad who was supposed to marry her, his name was, again, sorry, Tasso Michael. He was a British attorney. And instead of showing up at the wedding and marrying his his Nicole, he decided to take the couple's honeymoon plane tickets and head to Tahiti all by himself and have his own honeymoon alone. And we can sympathize with Nicole. Everybody's there and everybody's around and, and we can kind of picture how that would feel. You just want to crawl away humiliated. You would feel embarrassed. And I think a little bit like Nicole, the king, he decides that the party must go on. Everything's been prepared. 
The oxen have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. The table is ready. The food is out. The, The hall has been decorated. And everything is ready. So let's have the party anyway. And so the king says to his servants, he says, go out there. I don't care if those people don't want to come. Go out there and let's just fill this place up. Find whoever wants to come. Find everybody. Invite them. Let's fill this place up because the party has to continue. Now if you're looking at this parable you begin to see that in this parable, the king is obviously God. And the invited guests who decided not to come, they were this chosen people, the Jews, who had been called by him. And God had early on said that he had chosen the people of Israel to be his chosen people. The servants that God sent to them again and again were people like John the Baptist, other prophets, And now Jesus himself. John the Baptist, like in the story where the servants were mistreated and and killed, John the Baptist was rejected and beheaded. Other prophets were often rejected and persecuted. Many were also put to death. And ultimately we know that Jesus himself was being rejected. And that Jesus himself would be crucified and murdered by the very people he came to save. And so the people have their king. The invitation has been given. They've murdered the person who sent the invitation, and then they refused to come. And so when the Jews rejected the kingdom, the invitation was then extended to anyone and everyone who wanted to come. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, verse 46, it says this, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, and speaking now to the Jewish people, he said, they said, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected it and, and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life, and do not tur- we now turn to the Gentiles. And that's what they did. And so Paul and Barnabas also, they, they went to the Jewish people first and they, they tried to preach to the Jewish people, but when they refused to receive the message, they turned and they went to the Gentiles. People who would have never considered themselves worthy to hear about the message of Jesus or the message of the King. So now the banquet hall is full. The King has gone out, sent his messengers out, and they found everybody, good and bad, and they found them on the street corners, and and the banquet hall is now completely full. People would have never expected to attend were now at an event. People who would have never expected to even be brought near to such an event now found themselves inside, dining with the king. And I wish the story ended here. We could just say, and they lived happily ever after, and everything was good. But in this parable, we see a strange twist right at the end. That if you've never read this before, and you were reading for the first time, you'd feel all fuzzy inside, and all of a sudden you'd be like, what? Let me read it to you. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. Verse 12. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. 
What do you do with that? I can just tell you as a preacher, you're like, man, some of these passages, like, wouldn't it be happy if there literally was, and they live happily ever after? So we need to look at this now and say, what, what, what's the meaning of this? What's the purpose of adding this to this parable? Because wasn't the parable all about inviting everybody in? Wasn't the parable all about all the people who would have never expected to receive the invitation, and now suddenly they have the invitation, and, and they came, and wasn't that the purpose? The king comes in, and he sees someone who's not wearing proper wedding garments. He spots this person, and he has them thrown out. You see, wearing the right clothing to a formal Dinner honors the host and the occasion. And neglecting to wear it is considered an insult. Now at first you may wonder, how were these people supposed to, you know, how were they supposed to be able to dress appropriately? How were they able to to wear the right clothes? After all, weren't these people that the king had went and and dragged off the street, and he had invited them, and these are people who, even if they would have had time to get ready, most of them would have lived on the street. They wouldn't have had these clothes. So isn't the king being unfair? After all, if you go to homeless people, how would you you expect that they would have a closet somewhere? Oh, and by the way, I have my wedding garments here, and I'll wear them. So it almost appears that this king is being harsh. I don't know how many of you remember um, a few years back when Stephen Harper, a prime minister, uh, he met with Justin Bieber. Any of you guys follow the little tabloids on that one? Man, one guy in the other service and like nobody willing to admit it in here. Oh, one guy, one guy. Come on. How many of you saw this story about a year ago? You guys got to get out more. TMZ, that's where it's at, guys. It's... You've got you to read this stuff. It's daily news that you need to follow. Well, anyway, the prime minister shows up and, you know, and he's meeting Justin Bieber. So he already did, did the honorable thing. He took his tie off and, and he unbuttoned his top, uh, top button. And, you know, and he still had his suit on. And you know, when he comes in and he's got his hair all nicely combed. You know, the prime minister, he looks, he looks pretty chiseled, the guy. Okay, I'm not dissing him or anything like that. He just looks, he looks pretty chiseled. Well... Not chiseled as in muscles either. That he does not have. But anyway, I'm way off topic. Justin Bieber shows up, and he's got his hat on sideways, and he's got his overalls, you know, and his shoes that are way too big, and he comes, you know, doing his thing, and he comes walking in there, and he shakes the guy's hand, and someone took a picture of this kid reaching out like this, and the prime minister, and people were furious. Not that they, you know, necessarily were concerned about Stephen Harper, but they were saying... Justin Bieber showed absolutely no respect respect for the office of prime minister. So even if they didn't like the prime minister, or or who the prime minister was, they were saying the least this guy could have done is shown respect for the office of prime minister. And so these are big things. When you go to meet the president, you go to meet someone important, you dress the occasion. But these people in this parable, they were taken off the street. They may not have had anything. Surely Justin Bieber had the the means to get the best suit in the world. But what about these people? They came off the street. So is the king being harsh? Is the king being unfair? Now most commentaries go one way with this. Some disagree. But most commentaries would tell us this. That in those days, the king actually supplied the wedding garments. 
So it wouldn't have mattered what these people's past was like. It wouldn't have mattered how poor they were. It wouldn't have mattered what economic situation they came out. When they showed up as honored guests of the king, the king himself, or the king would have provided the wedding garments for the occasion. And so all the guests had to do was put it on. But here was a man who didn't even make the small effort involving putting on some proper clothes. So it's important for us to remember that accepting an invitation means accepting the terms of the invitation. If you go to eat at some fancy restaurants and there's a sign outside that says, coat and tie required, you're not going to have much luck trying to get in looking like I'm looking today. They're going to look at you and say, no, you need a suit and tie. Which means I may never eat there because I only have one suit and tie. And so, um, you know, and so if the sign says outside, this is what you need to wear, then that's what you need to wear. So accepting an invitation means accepting the terms of the invitation. Let's do one more little test here. How many of you guys just a couple of weeks ago saw the big story about the, the, the bride, um, I think it was up in Toronto area somewhere, who uh, had a guest show up and only brought a really cheap gift? And you guys really don't? Yeah, one, one person. Good for you. Or are you just faking? No? All right. Just uh, someone feeling sorry for Ike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard, heard about that, heard about that. You guys didn't hear the story. She went to, she had the big wedding, and then she had her big reception, apparently around $400 plates per person. Why? But anyway, she did, and so she had this big celebration, and all these people showed up, and of course now you're expected, because you got a $400 plate, you're expected to, to give a pretty good gift. Well, apparently the, this couple showed up, enjoyed their $400 plates, and gave a little basket with, I think, about $37 worth of stuff in it. And this bride freaked right out and wrote them letters and got real nasty. And again, it's, it's one of those things where I think because of the occasion, this bride said, if I'm giving you that kind of a reception, you owe me a certain kind of gift. Oh man, i got to get you guys out in the tabloids a little bit more. You're, you're really behind here. So... Now, at first glance, it may seem like a small thing to, not show, to show up not wearing the proper attire. But this guy, without a wedding garment, thought that he could come to the king's feast on his own terms. Thinking that his own clothes were good enough. Forgetting what the king had wanted or even had provided for him. This individual is like, no, I'm glad to be invited, but I'm going to wear what I want to wear. And so the question then is, what are the lessons from this parable? What's the take-home? What do we leave here with? Well, the first one is this. You are invited to heaven. You're invited to heaven. The invitation has been sent out. In this parable, some of the people who were summoned ignored the king. Others declined because they were too busy. Some got violent. But the bottom line was this. None of them paid attention. So even though they received the invitation, even though they had the invitation, they didn't pay any attention to it. So I want to tell you today, you are invited to heaven. So whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you believe in church, whether you think all of this is ridiculous, it doesn't change the invitation. You can invite me to your party, we're going to play Crocono and I can't stand Crocono, but I'm still invited to your party. So 
I want to just tell you guys, you're invited to heaven. Now, I don't know what that does for you guys. There's no amen. It's like, like, that's the greatest party you've ever been invited to, and you're invited. And I think sometimes when we talk to people and we say, hey, you know, you should become a Christian, we, we talk to them very often about, well, you want to become a Christian so you don't have to go to hell. No, you want to become a Christian because you spend eternity in heaven. You're invited. You're invited to the most incredible party that you will ever be at. The feast of all feasts. Will you accept the invitation? In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is at Matthew's house and the Pharisees were around and they were all about following certain rules and they were all about, you know, disassociating yourself with certain people. And so when they saw Jesus with these sinners, these people that they would have never associated with, they got all bothered. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does the teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They as teachers, they as Pharisees would never have done this. And so they're looking at Jesus' disciples saying, why does he do these things? Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then he concludes, he says, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And you may not even see yourself as a sinner today. Maybe you don't believe in all this God stuff. You don't believe in all this Jesus stuff. But I want to remind you, regardless of all of that, the beautiful news is that you've been invited to heaven. It's right here in this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the king who threw a banquet for his son. And when those who were invited to come didn't come, he extended that invitation to you and I, to all of us. And so the lesson, second lesson that we take out of this is exactly what I just said. The invitation is now for everyone. It's not for a certain class of people. It's not for a certain ethnicity. It's, in, it's open now to all of us. We have all been invited to one day spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, celebrating God's goodness and His love. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, it says, The, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let all who hear say, come. Listen, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Whoever wants to can come. So you've been given your invitation. God's invitation is extended to you. God's invitation is extended to those who live the most moral and upright lives. God's invitation is extended to those who live the most corrupt and broken lives. God's invitation to spend eternity with Him in heaven is extended to everyone. And so the first two lessons from this parable are, are in a sense, are, are positive. They're, they're good. They're encouraging. We've all been invited, and everybody's invited, and, and we've been invited to heaven. The third lesson in this parable is this. And we must live according to the standards. This is for those of us who have accepted the invitation. This is the man who did not do what he was supposed to do, even though he had been invited to the invitation, or he, even though he had been given the invitation. The fact that we can enter the kingdom by grace does not mean that there are no standards. 
The king who gave his banquet discovered a man who had no wedding garments on. This man made no effort to prepare himself for the feast and showed a half-hearted attitude and he didn't take this honor that he had been given very serious. So he was honored to be invited by the king, but he did not honor the king by how he lived and what he did. Accepting an invitation means accepting the terms of the invitation. So even though salvation is by grace, the kingdom of God involves living by certain standards. Spiritual sloppiness will not be acceptable at the, king, at the banquet of the king of kings. And I think if we would search our hearts a little bit, we would have to say that there are times in our lives where we become spiritually sloppy. We may be the people who say, well, yes, I'm so glad that Jesus died for my sins. I'm so glad that the invitation to go to heaven is for me. I'm so glad that I've received the invitation, but now I'm going to continue living my life the way I want to live my life. And kind of like this man in the parable, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be invited. But like in this parable, I think one day we will show up at that day when God separates everything. And I think there comes a time, kind of like with this king, where, where he may look at us and say, how did you get in here? So this is not a scare tactic. But I want to remind us that there's a standard that God has called us to to live as children of God. And so let's make sure that we live up to that standard. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And as Paul answers his own question in verse 2. He says, by no means. Listen to the rationale. He says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so if you've received the invitation of Jesus, and this is for all of us who call ourselves Christians, if we've received the invitation to receive Jesus into our hearts, we must now live our lives according to that invitation. A man cannot go living the life he lived before he became a follower of Christ. He must be clothed in this new identity. The people on the outside were no longer outsiders. They'd been invited in. The people who were invited by the king were now inside. They were no longer homeless. They were no longer these poor people. They were now invited in to dine with the king. And they needed to behave and live accordingly. So we must commit ourselves to getting our lives in line with what God wants us to be. We must see ourselves as honored guests, having been invited to the greatest party to ever be held. So the three lessons from this parable are this. You are invited to heaven. Everyone has been given this invitation and lastly, you must accept the invitation and live according to the standards. I'm going to ask the team to come up. We want to close today with a song, 10,000 Reasons, or Bless the Lord. And I love this song, and I close with this song, because in this song you, you will see the, the procession of the invitation to receiving the invitation, and in the end when everything seems weary, then all of a sudden there's this beautiful line that we will live 10,000 years forevermore. But the chorus of the song is this cry 
to the soul to say, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord is the command. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So I leave you with this question. Do you live your lives commanding your life, commanding your soul, commanding the part of you that will spend eternity with God? Do you command that part of you every single day to bless the Lord, to live for God, to follow through on the invitation that you've been given? So I want to challenge us today to sing and to just remind ourselves again that I have been invited to feast with the King of Kings and so I will live my life in such a way that I bring honor to the one who has honored me with the invitation. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Or you may say, sing, live, obey, soul. But do it for the Lord. Father God, I just pray that as we sing this song, I just pray that our hearts, our souls would just be reminded again today that we've received this incredible invitation. Father, may we never be caught standing in a room like that man was, having received the invitation, but then not having done what he needed to do to put on the wedding garments. So bless the Lord, O my soul. May I live for you in everything. May that be our decision here today that we're going to live our lives as these honored guests to this incredible banquet that we will one day celebrate with you. In your name I pray. Amen.